Thanks, man. You are so professional. You you hooked up the whole thing. You have a new mic. You have an awesome beard. You're just you, the best you, right you now. Can, you can hear me through this microphone? I can hear you so beautifully. You have oh, no man. Idea. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Well, dude, we so obviously this is like um, the forces that be did not want this powerful meeting to happen today. I know. Maybe that's the spirit of like Ronnie James Dio. <laughs> Maybe so. No, he he wants this to happen. He thinks he this is a good thing. And um, so I, we're just going to jump right into it because she's already in the waiting room. Uh, I, I, yeah. Me and you got to chit chat sometime, but we've we have got a super cool guest with us today. It's somebody that we tried to get last week. Um, the powers that be intervened. It's somebody that we got this week. Nothing can stop us now. Uh, from the project White Crone. She is a renaissance woman of music creation. She is a former competitive bodybuilder. Her name is Lisa Mann, and we're going to get her in this motherfucker right now. I can't wait. Bring it. Lisa, oh, Mann, Lisa Mann is connecting to audio. Here we go. Hello. All right. Finally. There she is. Hello. Hello. How are you? Doing all right. This Doing is right. uh, I'm Schuler. I'm the guy who's been bothering you on the internet. Hey, Schuler. I am joined today by my buddy Zach from Death Comes Lifting. We are super stoked to finally get you on. Right on, finally, very cool. Yeah. So we were just talking before you came on about um, sort of the 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 powers that be and the the forces that tried to stop this this mighty union uh, uh, so like we tried to do it last week right yeah um and then you had a previous engagement and then at the same time i i went for a run um uh. and, and got stuck on a trail that 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 dumped me almost in maryland um wow and so then i, I had like an interesting time trying to get back home uh zach was ready to run solo but it just, it wasn't meant to happen today, but today yeah. is the day. Um, and we are super yeah. stoked to have you on. And then we had some te technical difficulties today, but that's yes. been resolved, so. It is, it's never, it's, you know, <laughs> it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll, Lisa. That's right. <laughs> so we have, we have prepared um, by jamming some stuff from the White Crone record. We're jamming your Stargazer cover that you did um and then last night i or this morning actually i wake up to find out that you are a former i am assuming this is professional or semi-professional bodybuilder amateur uh, amateur, amateur bodybuilder well that shit like i've seen for the people who are listening right now you can't see the picture um lisa is a fucking sculpted uh <laughs> right serious bodybuilding individual so like now i think this might actually be the very first time on this podcast when we get to talk to somebody who does the riffs and the lifts and like the lifts. of equal yeah for sure yeah you know i had to i had to let it go because i was just in a lot of pain all the time yeah and uh i was in a a, a car wreck a pretty bad car wreck Oh, many man. years ago and so you know i could never do any like overhead stuff and you know i had, had to just do upright rows for my delts and things like that but i was just 
gobbling painkillers all the time. So oh, man. I eventually just let it go. But actually, I'm doing stuff. I still do calisthenics at home. Uh, I have some issues with my hands. So um, I've actually taken to just putting weights in bags and I can wrap them around my wrists and I can do all kinds. I mean, I've done when I'm traveling, I, you, there's ways to work out with a towel in a hotel yes. bathroom. You know, oh, yeah. there's ways to do that. So I got a little bit. Oh, there we so go. You know. There we go. Yeah, we, we all learned. Um, we all learned over the pandemic all kinds of like we basically everybody was reduced to if you were at a place where you couldn't go to a gym, which is what you know a lot of us were. Um, everybody got kind of put in a situation where they had to learn to do like prison style workouts. Yeah. Um, and so like the bath towel, I had a bed sheet that I kept in my office that I did isometric pulls with. Yeah. Um, that shit, it works. You know what I mean? It but really works. Back in, back in June, after we moved to where we live now, I was able to get back into an actual gym. And I, if you asked me last summer at the beginning, I would have told you I'm going to do this forever because I like just being able to do this shit in my room, in my office. Um, I would have said, yeah, I'll do this forever. But like going back to the gym a couple of months ago, there's just really no substitute for throwing big weight around, man. The bug bit you again. The bug bit me again, and now here I am. Except um, that moment when you go, I'm going to go to failure, and you're like, no. Oh, no. I, I don't want to. It, yeah, I, well, I like, I have a, I have to get up and like move around a little bit after the burn gets real bad. And I, I have a feeling that I look like a total asshole when I'm doing it, but that's okay. Um, Cause we're not there to look cool, baby. No, you're not there, there to look cool. We're there to get tough and we're there to look cool later. That's um, right. So let's let's dive into like I don't even know where to start. What, you, we got two different places to start here. We can start with the music, or we can start with the fitness. Which one do you think is more interesting? Which one do well, you think? I would say the music is more a part of my life. Oh, obviously, you know, well, of course. But like, yeah, I it's guess up to like, you, man. I guess the question well, is, which came first? Oh, definitely the music. I was right. a very sickly child. No shit. I mean, I was, I was, yeah, I was a very sickly child. I was undernourished. And I remember I'd have to walk home from school. I'd have to stop and sit down a lot on the way home from school. And my parents took me to doctors and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Uh, I ended, uh, I was, when I was in like grade school and junior high school, they put me in gym class with the kids with the helmets on you know, oh, wow. because I couldn't climb a rope. I couldn't do anything. And so when I was like, you know, so, but that, but back then it was like the music was everything to me. Well, then that's and where I we got to start. That's where we got to go. Yeah. yeah. And it got me through that period of being uh, sick and having a crappy home life. And, you know, it really got me through. I mean, there's a lot of people that say rock and roll saved my life. You know, they yeah, quote yeah. Ace Freely always says, rock and roll saved my life, you know, and, and it's, it's just true. Well, where did, where did you find and when did you find rock and roll? Let's let's start at the very beginning of the journey. Or was that what you got started off with? Did you start off with another kind of music or what? Well, my parents, you know, my mom liked singers. So she had they had a big record collection. So my mom had like Judy Garland, Barbara Streisand, Melissa Manchester. She just loved singers, which was cool because later on, she really loved Ronnie James Dio a lot. So yeah. uh, 
So she even took me to, to a Dio concert. It was great. No but uh, my dad was into like acid rock and the British bands that were very blues influenced. So he had albums from Deep Purple and Black Sabbath and Cream, Vanilla Fudge, uh, stuff like that, you know. Yeah, so great. those I, I listened to their whole record collection and I was so obsessed with music. I would get up in the middle of the night and I would go downstairs and I, they had one of those big console radios This is in the 70s, man. Yeah. So they had one of these big console radios and I'd turn it up just loud enough for me to hear. And I'd lay down with my head next to the speakers and I'd just listen to the radio. And back then they played everything on the, on the radio. They yeah. didn't hear. They'd play a Frank Sinatra song and then a country song and then a disco song and a rock song. They, so I just was obsessed with music, but I loved the sound of the bass. And I was also really into kiss, man. I was total mm-hmm. kiss freak. Oh, yeah. And so I just everything was about bass guitar. I just that's what I heard in my head. And so I saw a bass guitar at a pawn shop and I saved my lunch money and I walked home from school every day and ate my lunch at home and be like a can of beans. So I was like malnourished, you know, Yeah. and uh, saved up to buy my first bass when I was like 11 and 12 years old. So that's so how that- I got started. So that was the entryway, 11, 12 years old. You pick up the bass. Um, yeah. Did you start off? I was going to say, what did you start off covering? Did you start off? So Deep Purple, um, I, I'm sure there was some Kiss thrown into the mix. Yeah, like Machine Head, Deep Purple, that was the big one, you know. And I guess, you yeah. know, playing along with Gene Simmons' licks was kind of like, it's interesting because it's like, I came through the back door to blues because I'm a professional blues musician. So mm-hmm. playing along with Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple, that was like coming into blues through the back door. And then like playing along with Kiss was like coming into the Beatles okay. and R&B even through the back door. Interesting. Because Kiss, early Kiss had a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, Paul McCartney style bass lines and, and actually a lot of R&B, like old school R&B influences. Oddly enough. Yeah, which I, you know, I don't know how many people know that or not. Zach, you're a big Kiss guy, right? Am I making that up? No, I love Kiss, man. They're yeah. the first band I ever liked. We have very similar backgrounds. So yeah. that story was very similar to me. Yeah. Uh, I was a sick kid too. And I, I looked up to uh, Kiss as uh, influences because they looked like rock and roll superheroes. And I wanted to look like that. And that's why uh, Death Comes Lifting exists. But yeah, I totally knew that. Early Kiss is just like, R&B, Beatles influence, especially the first record, and they rock. I just saw them on their uh, final tour. It's fucking awesome. Oh, cool. They, they still can rock. Like, they're, like, how old? And they, like... Gene's 72. Yeah, it's insane. Paul Stanley's dancing in those platform shoes and smashing his guitar and jumping around. It's epic still. They still yeah. rock. Very well-preserved gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> so... 11, 12 years old, you start playing bass. You've got this really broad musical background. What was the mission after that? Were you just playing by yourself? Were you trying to get in a band? Like, what was the, what, what, what was your trajectory at the beginning when you first started playing? Yeah, I was mostly playing, uh, playing along with my records, mm-hmm. you know, and that was when I was in West Virginia and I, my parents divorced and I moved to Oregon. So okay. I moved to Portland, Oregon. And started then I started getting into heavy metal. You know, yeah. I was really into Ozzy. So Bob Daisley was a big influence. Uh-huh. Really into Maiden, Steve Harris. 
really an immersive fate. Timmy Hansen. Yeah. Yeah. Big influence on bass. And I would just play along with my records at home. So I, you know, I was too young to play in clubs or anything. You know, I had a friend, Mehdi Farjami, who's a guitar player. He played, he was in a band called Glacier for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually did a couple of guest solos on my debut White Crone album. No shit. <clears throat> but he would come over to my house and jam with me. And that was pretty much the extent of it because I was just a kid, man. I was just yeah. a little kid. Well, it so, is, you know, even before, you know, you start playing like bars or clubs or things like that, you know, sometimes you have kids in the neighborhood who get together to jam, uh, bounce ideas off of each other and see what happens. When did you, when did you make the leap from uh, just playing the stuff that you grew up listening to, to writing your own music? Yeah. Well, that took a while. Yeah. That took a long while. Oh, sure. But I, I, I must say when I was 16, I was in a band called uh, dead conspiracy and sweet so i was their original bass player before they recorded because they went on to record and do a bunch of shit but we did four gigs at this toilet called the satiricon and it was like the cbgb of portland and there's a joke going around if you've ever been in the bathroom at the satiricon you are immune to covid <laughs> i believe so, it i mean i've been in there yeah. Like, yeah it was really gross so we did four gigs we uh, opened for a first game. We opened for a band called Slam from Sweden. It was a skate punk band. We got paid 13 bucks. So I had to ask my cousin for four quarters so we could split the money evenly. <laughs> <laughs> so that was about the extent of the teenage thing. And then I got into top 40 when I was 19. And so I just wanted to play the bass for a living. I was also getting into funk and soul and getting into like Mark King and level 42 and stuff like that. So I just wanted to play for a living. So I kind of, it was kind of a trap in a way, but I, you know, but I learned a lot being a top 40 musician for many years and just playing in bars, just playing what was popular on the radio. Sometimes it was rock. Sometimes it was, you know, like Madonna and shit like that. But I learned a lot. So tell us about the top 40 journey. I'm curious about that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's like certain set lists that club owners would want you to play. There are certain songs. It's like if I play Brick House one more time, I, you know, jump off a cliff. But <laughs> what was cool about it is you could do whatever you wanted with it. So, you know, you okay. could really just slap and pop the hell out of that song if you wanted to. Or, you know, grab a pick and turn it into a rock tune. And you could just, as long as you kind of did that top 40 set list, because they're submitting these to like ASCAP or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, as long as you did that, you could just screw around with it. <laughs> lived in Seattle for a while and uh, was in a rock uh, top 40 band. And we would do some of the required tunes, but we'd also, you know, play a Metallica tune or play yeah. some Stone Temple Pilots or you know, so we, we did Heaven and Hell. I used to sing Heaven and Hell in that band and play, you know. So, it, yeah, you, you could just kind of do whatever you wanted within that confine, confinement. Um, there were a lot of bands that did some original material, but we, we didn't do that up there. It wasn't until I got I started my blues career that I started writing original music. 
Well, let's let's talk about the Blues career. Like uh -huh. I'm we are both familiar with White Crone and we're both, you know, this is a little bit more of a metal centered podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, and Zach, Zach has a Zach has a much more eclectic uh, taste than than I do. I'm, I'm pretty much a straight ahead metal guy. Um, yeah. I, I am I am very curious about your I, I'm not going to say detour into blues because it seems like that's definitely sort of the 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 main thing thus far um tell us a little bit about that what 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 did you what kind of uh what was your blues background what was your blues activity what'd you do well when i moved from seattle to portland i got a divorce moved to, back to portland uh if you want to work in portland you might want to know some blues because there's a big blues scene. Uh -huh. So I fell in with, uh, there's a guy named Paul DeLay who since passed away. He's a harmonica player. Sonny Hess is a local guitar player. Linda Hornbuckle was a singer. Sadly, she's passed away. But I started playing with these people and I, I started learning blues music and realizing, wait a minute, these licks that I was playing along with those Led Zeppelin albums and the Deep Purple albums, I can play these licks in these blues songs and it works because that's yeah. where it came from. It came from the blues. And it was like, it was like, it was mind blowing. And you listen to early black Sabbath and you go, wait a minute, geezers playing blues. These dudes are shuffling. Yeah. These dudes are, they're rolling an egg, man. They are shuffling hard. These dudes. So you can really hear the blues influence. And that was like, Oh, it felt like, I mean, it felt like coming home and I fell in love with the music. I fell in love with little Milton and Jimmy Reed and Coco Taylor and BB King and all these artists. And uh, I just fell in love with it. And I started becoming creative in my own right and writing my own tunes. And they're pretty, you know, my, my tunes are also very, they, they kind of have a country influence because I'm from West Virginia and they have kind of a R and B influence because I really love old school R and B too, you know, so that's that's mainly what I do, you know, so I, I and I make records. That's what I do. I'm an independent artist uh -huh. and I write songs and I record songs and I make records and I promote records. And so I'm pretty much a self-produced artist. So when it came to making a metal album, I had the experience behind me. Which this is like, that's the dream. Um, You're killing it to be able to be able to you know have have been in this business and to be a professional and to have the kind of longevity that it that it seems like you've had and then get to play in all these different genres that you enjoy um that seems like something that so many people want to do um and that's that's like rad as fuck that we got somebody on the show who's been able to do that well thanks you know i think we tend to self-censor you know, we tend to limit ourselves. And I know I did. I never thought I was going to make a metal album because I thought, what, what are the blues Nazis going to think about that? You know, they're going to be, oh, well, you can't do that. And so when I started coming up with, when I started hearing these songs in my head and started <clears throat> recording, I thought it was just going to be for me. Uh -huh. It was actually after I, you know, I know people like, oh, ghost sucks. I hate ghosts, you know. I love Ghost. ghost. I heard Ghost for the first time. Ghost fucking rules. You are Thank not going to yeah, you are not going to get any pushback on this show. We are huge <laughs> fucking Ghost fans, man. Thank you. Because yeah. it was after hearing Ghost that I was inspired to get back into metal. 
So he really was. Interesting. I I did not know that. What's what's the timeline here? So like, when did you start putting together ideas for what would become the White Crone album? This was probably 2016. Uh huh. So it was when Ghost was up for a Grammy, and that's when I first heard him because I'm a member of the Recording Academy. Gotcha. And I remember listening to these because because I vote in the categories I'm familiar with. I'm familiar with metal. I'm familiar with rock, country, and blues. So those are the categories of. And I remember I heard this, and I had heard of Ghost, yeah. but I'd never heard Ghost. And I remember just what the hell this the the intro Cerise. It sounds like Slayer. Yeah. And is this but it's kind of seventies. And then this guy is singing. He sounds like freaking Michael Stipe or something. It's like <laughs> these guys don't give a shit. They just didn't care. You know, Tobias Ford, he doesn't care what you think. Which and is... that really rubbed off on me. It was like, why should I care what people think? Maybe I should just do whatever I want to do. So how and... long, how long, go, sorry, Zach, go ahead. Nothing, I was just going to say is, uh, and what you wanted to do was always a metal album then? Or did Ghost just inspire you to do a metal album? It just started coming out, man. I mean, That's... I would be in the shower. And I would hear a melody and I go, oh, shit. And I'd have to towel off and go sing it into my phone. <laughs> I'd be on, on taking a walk and I'd be like lyrics or something. And I have to sing it into an app in my phone. It just started. It just started puking out of me. So with uh, with recording and with playing blues, um, do you have did you have or do you have like sort of a a regular revolving cast of, of characters, people that you play with, people that you're familiar with for the blues stuff? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, so, the members of my live band, typically, yeah. Yeah, so what did you, did you go a different route with the people who ended up playing on the White Crone album? Or did you, what'd you, what, like, tell, tell us a little bit about going into actually recording the record. Well, I had done a metal side project uh, some years ago called Cry for Eden. It's a symphonic metal project. Uh, definitely check that out. Google that, Cry for Eden. There's yeah, some... I'm, right, I'm writing shit down as yeah. you're saying shit because There's I'm learning good, a lot right now. Good shit on that album. And the drummer's name is Larry London, L-O-N-D-O-N. So it's okay. not the other guy. That guy, Larry London, he's passed away. But this is a guy from Salem and he's a drum instructor. He's a phenomenal drummer. Sweet. So I, I started pre-production at home and, you know, I actually taught myself how to play guitar so I could play guitar on the album because mm -hmm. I play bass. It's like the yeah. big fat strings. And I had to learn on these tiny ass strings, but I did pre-production on, on an e-drum kit. Uh -huh. So you should, I mean, the tracks are really horrendous, man. But I, <laughs> I, I wrote the parts and I knew there's just absolutely no way I could execute these parts. So I asked Larry London to play on the album and aside from one track that features Vinnie Apice, he yeah, did yeah. all the drums on the album. And he's, I mean, you've heard him. The guy is just a freakishly good drummer. Yes. And 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 he he learned the parts by listening to my crappy parts and play a lot. And he just like improved them infinitely. So it was basically me and Larry London that did most of it, except for uh, my friend Mehdi Farjami, mm -hmm. who did solos on, because it was two, two songs. It was just like, I'm not going to be able to pull this off on guitar. I need, I need help. <laughs> yeah. How did you, how do you know, did you know Vinny beforehand or did you run him down just for this? How do you guys, how did that connection come about? 
Well, uh, I I released an album under the, under Lisa Mann, the blues uh-huh. artist, uh, an album called Hard Times, Bad Decisions. And I wrote a song called Judge a Man Forever. And it's about people coming out of prison and they can't get a job. They can't vote. They're treated like shit, you know. Yes. And yes, I uh, do. yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I, it has kind of this chain gang feel. It's mm-hmm. like 60 beats per minute. And I kept hearing, because Vinny Appice, like growing up, that was like, he was my favorite drummer. And I kept hearing Vinny Appice playing on this song in my head. And I thought, well, I can get Dave Million to do, he could probably sound like him, you know, the blues drummers has a rock background too. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought, well, you know, I really want Vinny to play on this song. So I cold called him, I Googled him and I found (laughs) an email address. And I said, hey, man, will you play on my album? And I sent him a song that was kind of similar that I'd recorded before. And he said, yes. So sick. That is yeah, so, so he that's... played on a song before uh-huh. in my blues incarnation. So okay. then once I was ready to ask him for, for this, he already knew who I was and had done okay. before. That, that definitely, Remote. sorry, go ahead. Remotely, I'll add. So oh, people yeah. are like, oh, you okay. know Vinny Appice. No, actually, I've never been in the same room. Well, I've been in the same room with Vinny Appice, just being at a gig. At a show that he played? <laughs> yeah, but I've never hung out with the guy. Well, I mean, but you know him well enough to get him to play on your record, which I think is pretty tight. That's true. Um, so let's talk a little bit about... So we've got sort of the recording of the record that happened. As you were putting the record together, as you were recording it, um, what were sort of your designs for the the promotion of the record? And I'm I'm getting to the fucking killer video for the poisoner that you did. Um, but first, like as you were sort of working on, you know, getting the record together, what did you conceive of like how you were gonna roll this thing out? Was it because I assume that like getting a, a metal record out, getting a traditional metal record out and getting ears on it is probably different, I would think, than the route that you would take as a professional blues musician sort of doing your own solo thing, right? Well, it was a rude awakening for me. <laughs> what do you because mean? I've, I've been making records for a while. Yeah. And I started out by making my own radio database and just painstakingly searching blues radio stations all across the world and the country and everything. And then just promote, you know, I learned how to do that. Then I hired a, a PR, PR people over the years. So I just thought, okay, I got a metal album. I'll just hire a metal PR person. And it's like crickets. They don't know who the hell I am. Because in the blue scene, they go, oh, yeah, Lisa Mann. Yeah, she's from the West Coast. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and it's like nobody wanted anything to do with me. There was one dude uh, uh, from Australia, noob heavy. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And he was cool and said, you know, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll help you out. You know, so I gave him a little dough. And he cracked open the door for me. I've also worked with uh, Curtis Dewar and, uh, you know, and Zach Moonshine. Yeah, I know Curtis. Uh, so later on, I worked with, with some. So I did some overlapping kind of, uh, you know, more underground metal mm-hmm. uh, promoters. And I got really good reviews. Yes. That I, I ended up on, a, on quite a few top five and top 10 lists you know yeah album of the year kind of stuff yeah and it it really blew my mind i was absolutely thrilled 
Well, it, I mean, it's such a fun record and it's such a genuine record. You know, I think that a lot of I, it, it's I always hesitate to say, like, you know, they just don't make them like this anymore. You know what I mean? Because that I, I almost feel is a little bit lazy because I know that there are a lot of people who are pursuing a lot of different kinds of heavy music. But as far as what's in my orbit, as far as what comes across my desk to check out, I very rarely even get any recommendations for like a more traditional old school metal record. Um, and I had like five different people get in touch with me telling me that I needed to check this out specifically oh, because cool. of how much I talk about Black Sabbath and how much I talk about Dio era Black Sabbath. Um, they were like, she's even, it even says something about Dio in, in the promo packet. And I was like, all right, I'll check this shit out. So much fun. So cool. And one of the things I think that my exposure for the first time, I think is probably the same way that a lot of people had it. It was the video that you did um, for the poisoner. Tell us about like making a, that's a super professional, like good looking pro shot video. Tell us about that. Yeah, this dude is amazing. His name is Cypress Jones and he's actually done a lot of work with rappers in LA. Interesting. And so his dad is a drummer, a well-known jazz drummer in Portland. And so I just heard through the grapevine, he did a friend of mine, Dean Muller. He did a video mm -hmm. for him and I saw it and I went, damn, this looks great. And he's just like a one man operation. Yeah. And we hired a lighting guy and I storyboarded it. And the people who act in the video are all my friends and family. Dude, that's so cool. So, and actually the, the Zen priest, yeah, he's the abbot of the Zen temple that I used to be the precentor there. I used to lead the chants there because I'm Zen Buddhist. No shit. So he, he was willing to die on screen. <laughs> and it was my dad on the couch that dies. That's my dad. That's fun. And then the, the butler is a sax player that I work with. And, uh, you know, so it's, yeah, I, it was just a real collaborative thing. He didn't charge a whole lot of money and he just, the dude can edit like a mofo. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's just a brilliant director, Cypress Jones, just brilliant. So I, I was really pleasantly uh, surprised with how professional it came out. So the video did the video obviously has has gotten a lot of eyes on the project. Um, a lot of like you said, good reviews for the record. Um, obviously, blues takes a lot of your time, and that is a lot of sort of what you what your what your heart goes into. But having made this sort of successful return back to the metal world, um, is there anything on the horizon there? Like, are you? I know you you know you did the Dio, you did the Stargazer cover, um, which was a blast uh what's 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 up in the metal world in the future for lisa man for white crone well before the uh pandemic hit uh i am a fan of a local band called splinter Th splintered throne and so i would go to gigs like i saw last in line they came to town yeah and uh uh flotsam and jetsam came to town and this and this band would open for them and one night we saw them a friend of mine and i and their singer announced he was leaving and, and my friend starts elbowing me going, talk to him, talk to the band, man. Don't go talk to him. Yeah, and so yeah. I did, I went, you know, in the bar later, you know, talked, actually talked to their bass player 
He said, well, your, your, your singer's leaving, huh? Are you auditioning singers? And he said, we will be soon. So I went to an audition and they hired me. So we're working on a new Splintered Throne album. Holy shit. And uh, I'll just be singing and not playing bass. They got a killer bass player already. And uh, I'm about to go drop, go uh, drop some tracks in the studio. Uh at the end of the month so oh shit i'm excited so, yeah. that's fantastic are you so what um how how are you involved you know you said you're singing and not playing bass how are you involved with the are you involved with the writing process for them yes. or awesome awesome yeah um, it's mainly the guitar player uh the main guitar player jason moser he writes the, the majority of the music and then he hands it over to me and it's 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 the very traditional metal. It's kind of power metal, but also a lot of Bay Area thrash influences too. So it's very melodic, but kind of thrashy too. And uh, so he just turns it over to me. Aside from one song where he had you know pretty specific vocal idea and lyrics yeah. and stuff, I wrote you know the lyrics and the vocal melodies on top of what he wrote. And so then we tweaked from there as a band. They write as a band. It's kind of interesting. So it was really rough for the pandemic for for any band out there. You all know if you if you write as a group, you all know how awful it's been with the pandemic because you're used to just getting in a big room and bouncing ideas off each other. So it yeah, a lot of delays. I can imagine. Uh, and that's kind of the this podcast was born of of pandemic boredom, which is something that I always end up having to, an opportunity to say on the show. Um and a lot of the musicians that we've gotten on here have had similar experiences. There was a lot of, a lot of the um, sort of collective aspect of writing music got pushed to the wayside, or it wasn't allowed anymore, or it was just genuinely a bad idea, you know. And one of the interesting things about that is that so many people took that opportunity to go and do stuff on their own, you know, little side projects, solo projects, things that they would put together and do with people who, like you, like you, like you with Vinny Apice, you, you never seen or met before, um, but you collaborate remotely, right? Um, but one of the things that we are getting excited about as the pandemic begins, hopefully to slow down, I mean, it's a lot of this stuff has stopped, but we don't really know what the future holds with winter coming and all that. Um, what's up with live music? Are you, um, are you guys in Splintered Throne looking to do anything live? Are you, uh, going to do some live White Crone stuff whenever the opportunity arises? What's the what's live music like in Portland right now? Are there still any restrictions or anything like that? Yeah, you know, I'm kind of I've kind of had a self-imposed restriction in a way because yeah. I've got family members and myself. We're vulnerable people, you know. Sure. Uh, I take some medication that that screws up my immune system, so uh, you know, I I try not to do a lot of. Uh, I don't do indoor gigs. I'm doing my first indoor gig on the thirtieth, you yeah, know. But yeah. it's at a casino that has like a state of the art, you know ventilation system and stuff so doing some blues gigs doing outdoor gigs uh white crone was never meant to be it was really just a recording project mm -hmm. and like i said i thought it was just going to be for me i didn't yeah. even know i was going to release it to the public until it was almost done and uh so but who knows if somebody if they if there's enough it, there will be another white crone album Excellent. and if there's enough you know response then you know maybe i'll put something together but but definitely splintered throne. We definitely look forward to gigging next year, mm -hmm. and uh, but the main thing we're focused on is getting this album out. We want to get this in the can. We've been <laughs> champing at the bit. 
So you, you, you're going in to do some vocals on tracks at the end of the month, um, which is fast approaching. What's, is there any sort of a release timeline for this record that you guys are aware of? Or is that sort of still... When it's done. When it's done. All right. So there's when no deadline done. or anything like that. That's what's nice about not being on a label. Yeah. That's what's nice right. about being independent. It's like, it's done when it's done. And when it comes to this pandemic, man, it's like, it's been impossible to plan. Yeah. I mean, people can't even plan weddings and people are putting off funerals. You know, it's like, come on. <laughs> you know. So as far as like the timeline for getting this done, and plus these guys have these guys have jobs and yeah. families and stuff like that. So it's like, when it's done, it'll be done. When we get it, we get it. Which is, which is, <laughs> like you said, that's probably more advantageous than having like a, or probably more productive and, and relaxing than having like a, a label breathing down your neck. Oh yeah. So we, as we move to the end of the podcast, this is, first of all, this has been an awesome, awesome conversation. I'm glad that we finally got a chance to make it happen. I was, I'm super stoked to have learned about your blues background. Cause like I said, I I'm coming from the metal area. So like I, with some of the stuff that you were listening to as a kid, I feel like I took sort of a, bla a, a back door into your blues career through white crone, which I think is yeah. a pretty, pretty interesting detour yeah. for me anyway. Um, as we get to the end of the podcast, we always have a very, very important question that we ask of all of our guests. And as soon as I found out that we were getting you on here, I've been waiting for the answer to this. Me too, man, yeah. honestly. I don't and know where it's gonna go. I don't know. I feel like I have an idea of where it's gonna go, but I also am I am also prepared to be know. surprised. Um, Zach, do the honors. What is your favorite Black Sabbath album, Lisa Mann? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I gotta, let me think about that because for me, it's like the songs. I got this compilation. I got this compilation uh, CD that was like rotating. Oh, for sure. In my, uh, so I, I, I like to get what songs are on which album. And God, well, man, that's really, that's really a tough, that's a tough one. It is. Every time we get to watch people it. squirm, we get to because watch Because it's also, there's, there's, there's Black Sabbath with Ozzy. Yeah. And there's Black Sabbath with Dion. It's like, can you really make me choose? You have to yeah. try. You have to, the purposes oh of this podcast, God. you have to try. At least try, yeah. And we can start with songs if you want. Master of Reality. Oh, what? yes. Oh. Same. No. Hard same. Master of Reality. Master of Reality is fucking brilliant. Void, and as yeah. a Into the Void, most definitely, but like as a as a blues musician, I also think that that is something you you can see a whole lot of blues work on there. Yeah. Um, and it's such a heavy record, such a doomy record. I feel like it was the first like spooky Black Sabbath record. I know that they had like the tritone and all that shit in the title song on the first record, but but going back and listening to Master of Reality now, I just feel like it is such a testament to, to sort of that band's legacy and where they became as influential as they did. Yeah. All right. Because it's so hard to pick, you know, we, uh, I, I admire you being able to make the cut and choose Master of Reality. It's my favorite as well. <laughs> but never Evan and L. I don't know. Uh, I was going <laughs> to say, okay, so what's, what's, what's your favorite Dio. Dio era record? That would be Heaven and Hell? Oh, well, well, Dio era. Yeah, I would say that. I would say Heaven and Hell. 
Yeah. It's I mean, when it comes to Dio, I'm I'm all about the solo project, really. Yeah. It was all Which, about Holy Diver. I mean, I I probably know every single note in my head of that album because I just spun it so many freaking times. I was obsessed with it. It would be cool so, since you have, you know, since you have sort of studio access that I feel like a lot of musicians probably don't. I, I, I mean, I'm assuming that you do. Um, mm -hmm. it, it would be cool if we had like white. Yeah, see, there we go. If we had <laughs> if we had a white crone cover of all of Holy Diver. Um, like that would be just cover like cover like an entire Dio record. Let the right? drop tune it at this point. Jeez, that would be fine. cool though. Yeah, but that would be dope. That would be cool as fuck. I would support that. <laughs> Me too. Like, man. hey, Vinny, <laughs> you know how these songs go? Yeah, call, That's it, why it, I asked him to do Stargazer because I was like, I bet you know how this goes. Yeah, you can, one would imagine. <laughs> so uh, cool. Lisa, thank you so very much for your time. It's been great to meet you in person, so to speak, to actually talk to you about the music, yeah. and talk to you about your history. Yeah, um, we really, really appreciate your time. We wish you the very best of luck with Splintered Throne. Hopefully, we get some of that soon. Hopefully, we get another White Crone record soon. Um, and we hope to get you back on sometime. Well, yeah. thank you, and thank you for cutting across genres for me. Awesome! No, I was you... like, I gotta tell you about the death metal that I like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, are you? You're gonna mention some death metal? What? I like some. I, you know, I, I I like it live. Oh fuck! Before I saw we suffocation yeah. live with their new singer. I saw suffocation oh. live with uh, with Ricky on vocals. Was it the big tall guy? Big freaking tall guy from L.A. I think. Uh, yeah, it's Ricky from, uh, from, um, Guys of Disgorge. He was badass. And Jungle Rot, seeing Jungle Rot. I right? fucking love Jungle Rot. They we had, killer. we had Jimmy on the show, uh, several months back. Uh, huge Jungle Rot fan myself. This is, yeah. so you, you went and, you went She's and, in, man. and brought some, some death metal to the table. God bless to. you. I have to, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so very Thanks much. For everything, we, yeah. Yes, we we had a blast. Um, and we'll awesome. talk to you again soon. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you very much. Peace Keep out. it up. We appreciate it. All right, take it easy. You too. You too. What a good woman. Chick. Dude, dude. dude she's fucking awesome she dude. is man i think this i think that we keep we keep stumbling our way into people who i think would be you know who are who were a blast on this podcast but who i also think would be cool on the death comes lifting solo podcast it's like yeah i was actually thinking about trying to uh, i'll email and get her back i don't know i'm a little nervous i think i had like a slight crush on her and i didn't want to talk and look like, an idiot. <laughs> well, like she's, she's like so cool but her pathway through sort of, you know, a, a, a sick or troubled childhood into yeah, yeah, fucking sure. bodybuilding. Um, and then I mean, Zen Buddhism, like this is, this is, uh, this has got death comes lifting written all over it, man. I know it's the same story as me, which is kind of weird. So yeah, I'm going to definitely email her and ask her to come back on because that would be fucking rad, man. Fantastic. But dude, thanks for cooking up all the awesome guests all the time and just, and just dude, being you, man. You run I'm, shit. It's awesome. I'm gonna try and find some more. We're uh, this is your busy season. This is my busy season. We're gonna do these things as often as we can. But God damn it, we're gonna yeah. keep it up because I love you. Well, yeah. I love this. We're 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 never gonna stop. We're never gonna stop. I it's, love you, man. It will never end. Thank you. Peace out, dude. We'll Bye. talk next time. Peace. All right, man. Thank you.